You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. I'm still here solo. Tom is still away in the Philippines. Uh, I think he's gone for like two more weeks. I thought he'd be back this week, but I think after his long stay for his black belt and rampant our knees, he was staying out for a couple more weeks visiting people doing whatever the hell he's doing out there. But he'll be back, and then when he comes back, we'll have uh, a lot to talk about, see what uh, how it was and what things he was doing out there. It looked like he's having a real good time. But anyway, so you're listening to Primal Radio. You can hear us. Saturday nights, 9 p.m. UK time. Saturday nights, 9 p.m. New York time on Hamilton Radio. You can also hear us on Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Sonos, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Amazon Alexa. Um, last week, uh, we had a real good show with Joel Bain. We have a bunch of stuff going on at Primal Gym, which I have to touch base on uh, uh, before we get to our, our, our guest. On July 7th, we're going to have a blood drive at Primal Gym from 4 p.m., excuse me, from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. So come on out if you want to donate blood. They'll have a, it'll be catered. It'll be a nice little event. On July 14th, uh, the Billy Robinson Classic Catch Wrestling Tournament. Uh, it's a submission fighting tournament. There are no points. It is pure submission, and it starts at 10 a.m. You can register online on snakepitusa.com. Also, that night, the Catch Wrestling World Championships at 7 p.m. Former UFC champion Josh Barnett will be there. And it'll be, I guess it's an eight-man tournament. They're fighting in a ring. Uh, it's really going to be a, a top-notch crapper. It'll be an exciting event. And then uh, Sunday afternoon, there'll be a Catch Wrestling seminar. If there was an so entire weekend of Catch Wrestling at Primal Gym. Now, coming up. Uh, our big inaugural event, Primal MMA Fight Night at the Showboat Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. We will be in the bo- the Bourbon Room, which is formerly the House of Blues. If you're uh, tickets will be on uh, sale shortly. Uh, if you're a competitor or a manager and have someone you uh, know that may want to compete in one of our events, please reach out to us at PrimalFightPromotions.com, or you can get a hold of us at eight three three seven seven fight. Also. Um, in October, we'll have our first Pro-Am Boxing Primal Fight Night at the uh, Bourbon Room in Atlantic City. And then November 3rd, Primal MMA Fight Night 2 at the Showboat at the Bourbon Room. So that is a ton of stuff that I have going on. Uh, so that's why I'm working ridiculous hours nonstop, 24-7, trying to get this uh, this stuff done. But anyway, so today I got a a guest, I've known this guy, geez, a long, long time, uh, a tremendous martial artist, and uh, he was kind enough on his day off to kind of spend some time in his studio and talk about uh, his history of martial arts and what, uh, whatever we're going to talk about. It'll be a bunch of different things. Anyway, let's welcome Dean Goldaddy. Dean, how you doing, buddy? Hey, bro. What's going on? Hey, man. It's great to talk to you. It has been, as you say, a minute. <laughs> Yeah, we used to see each other a lot more. You know, a number of years ago, we'd see each other several times a year, somewhere around the country, and in and and in Texas. And uh, the last couple of years, we haven't been able to do that. But uh, anyway, it's good to good to hear your voice. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. What's new with you? Oh, well, <laughs> did you hear that whole list of shit I just rattled off? So, yeah, I did, and I couldn't keep up, man. I know it's like I'm going to take a nap. It's just so much. I got to do a better job of promoting that. Uh, you know, I got the radio show, and uh, so I'm fortunate enough to have that, but I don't promote it enough. So I do it in the beginning of the show, kind of rattle off, and never visit again. Visit it again. So, so my connection with Dean Goldaddy is um, through Hawk Hawkheim initially, and uh, so through Hawk, who's uh, a dear friend and a, a fantastic martial artist. Somehow, how did he introduce us to you? How did that happen, Dean? Do you recall? Because I, I don't. Man, really... I can't remember. I um, can't remember. It was a lifetime. I don't know if it happened because we were at a seminar and you were doing something, or I was doing something. I can't remember. I don't remember. But uh, man, we just kind of hooked up and right away we go. Away we go. Yeah. Then you you were kind enough to uh, invite me down there, uh, you know, to to train with you and your guys at your at your studio at the time, and uh, oh, it was great. And, and you know, the, it was the worst part about it, when I would come down in, like, July, 
<laughs> it was like the only in Texas is great. Oh man. my god, it is it is so miserable. It is so ridiculously hot. As Hawk said, it's a gigantic football field. You know, you know, you can't get away from that sun. It would you would just walk out and just drip, you know, and then we'd be in the gym training all day and god damn it was it was hot. But it was great. I loved I loved going down there. I wasn't used to I thought New Jersey was hot. New Jersey surprisingly is pretty hot. But not, not compared to Texas. So, but anyway. it's just kind of humid out there. Is what I noticed the differences. You know, uh, right? We're humid too. You know, and that was the good thing about when we got done training. It was right. cooling off enough to where we could get out of there and not die. Except <laughs> for lunch, you know, that was hot. Right, right, right. So I came out of the building back to the AC. Right. <laughs> that was it. That was it. So now you are uh, a top-ranked Kaju Cambo guy uh, under Ohana. The Ohana lineage, correct? Well, you know, I mean, uh, lineage is my lineage is up to the Gaylord method. You know, my uh, original right. Kaiser Kimball instructor was right. Brian Yoshi, right? Or Grandmaster Brian Yoshi now, and uh, that's pretty much, you know, I mean, if I wanted to look back through the lineage, that would be him. But uh, over time, you know, I mean, I've met a lot of good friends and stuff, right. and uh, I ended up getting affiliated with uh, Grant or one of the founders, uh, Frank Ordinez. We used to call him, you know, he's one of the, the five founders of Kaji Kimbo. Right. And Jason Groff was his successor, who was a real good friend of mine. So, uh, you know, we just, I was affiliating with them, you know, that they're a good group. And they were, you know, they're a younger group, and they needed some, some help, you know. And I guess I was one of the guys that wanted to help them out. Because yeah. I had, you know, kind of a unique uh, flavor of Kaji Kimbo. So but, some right. people like it, and some don't appreciate it, but I don't really worry about that. <laughs> yeah, you're free of the good opinion of other people, as they say. So, that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you when you started out, like when you first, did you start, did your old man start you in karate or boxing or something? Well, my old man was, he, my old man was a boxer. Right. And so we, we started off as little shits, man, you know, uh, throwing the gloves on. We had, you know, a couple pairs of boxing gloves, and that's what we started at, just slugging each other out. And uh, I had two older brothers, so, you know, I was always the, the lightest guy in the crowd, so I got knocked out a bunch. But yeah, so we had we had a little sand lot yeah. groups over there, man. We'd be out in my yard, my grandpa's yard, our yard, just wherever, be slugging it out about every couple of days, just having fun. My grandpa used to call us, call he called me his little prize fighter. Nah. Funny. <laughs> well, that's look, that might be one of the best things to start the kids with. It's just boxing, for God's sakes. You know. Well, I think so too, man. You know, because. Uh, even before, you know, Kaiju Kemba, when I started off, my first formal martial art was Taekwondo, you know, right. and it was, but it was old school stuff, you know, back in the 70s. Right. Blue Better than it is today. today. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and there was no kids' classes, you know. Yeah. So I was this little punk-ass kid, you know, and they're training with adults, so I got the shit knocked out of me there, too. But what we did was, uh, you know, I just added those kicks to the boxing, and I was kickboxing before I knew what that really was. Right, right, right. Now, you didn't grow up in Texas, right? You grew up where? No, I grew up, uh, I was born in Denver. Oh, you were born in yeah, Colorado, Wyoming, and right. then uh, we moved around a little bit. My dad was in construction, so we mm. bounced around some. And then uh, mine is a uh, pretty much a place where you know I went to uh, middle school and high school and all that stuff was in Wyoming. Then I went off to the military. oh, I didn't know that. How was like Wyoming? It's like there's nothing there. Did you, it was like a little schoolhouse, like on the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually, you know, well, you know, it was compared to Austin, yeah, little schoolhouse. Right. Well, we I did. mean, that's my, look, I live in New Jersey, for God's sakes, and that's how mm-hmm. we envision anybody, and anyone in the Northeast envisions, you know, tumbleweeds. <laughs> and that's what I mean, man. You want to talk about a place to, to grow up and learn how to fight at, but, you know, I mean, that was, there was a scrap about every day somewhere. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Everybody was, I don't know what it was, man. It's just, you know, like it was the Wild West. You know? Right. Right, right. And, then, and so, so <laughs> that's after, all I can say. Right, no, it is. And after the boxing, would you? What were you? And the Taekwondo, you. So it was basically the uh, normal traditional stuff initially, right? Yeah, it just started off. You know, it was boxing, Taekwondo, and then, uh, you know, I pretty much did that up until. Well, actually, when we got to Wyoming, it was pretty interesting because I'd been doing the Taekwondo previously. Uh-huh. And then uh, we got there, and I was training some buddies that you know they saw me. You know, I guess I kicked a couple of people around, and they liked it. So they nice. wanted it. You know, because you know when you're a new kid in school, you're always getting, sure. you know, you got to go through that new kid interview process. And, you know, <laughs> Initiation. We had, we, had, we had done a little bit of moving around, and I was, you know, I'd already had that shit to a science. I was like, you know what, man, first kid says something to me, I'm cracking them in the mouth. <laughs> I'm taking them out. And uh, anyway, one way or another, you know, I had a couple of buddies that wanted to learn some of it, so we'd go out and into their backyard, and, and they had a big sod farm, so we'd go out there and crack each other around. And then uh, there was always this dude, man, 
and uh-huh. he was he was like this legend. He was like Billy Jack, right? <laughs> everybody talked about him. He was this guy. You yeah. know, and everybody tried to. He was like the fastest gun in the West, and everybody tried to gun him whenever he'd come out to town, and he'd end up knocking him around and going back out to his little place. He's kind of like a you know an old hippie dude, you know, just a younger guy at that time, I guess, you know, probably in his thirties. Right. And we were, you know, shit, maybe sixteen, seventeen. And uh, I, you know, I had big old balls, and I said, I'm going to go see if this guy will show us something. You know? <laughs> no kidding, that's so we went, great. Yeah, we went to his front door, knocked on the door, and, you know, uh, he didn't live that far from us. He was kind of like in between me and my buddies. Uh-huh. And he was doing an Okinawan style called Matoboru, which at that time I didn't even know mm-hmm. what it was. He just called it Okinawan Kempo, but it was kind of a pretty pretty well-known Royal Court Okinawan art that uh-huh. I didn't even know at that time because, mm-hmm. you know, shit, all we had was magazines and, you know. Yeah. There was no literature, no way to look shit up, no internet. Yeah. But uh, he just started training us, you know, and I went over and I started off just by asking the questions, you know, because, you know, did you train? I said, yeah. So we started doing some stuff. I'd show him some stuff. And then, you know, he wasn't wanting to teach anybody at that time. So we'd leave and then we'd come back and we'd bug him about it every other day, you know. And finally we're out in the backyard. Then the next thing you know, man, we were doing some old school stuff. You know, had old tires cut up, punching for Makiwaras. And, wow. You know, banging each other around, cracking stuff and sparring the sparred like crazy that was his main thing was sparring no kidding that's great you don't know what a gift that is. i mean i guess you do I mean, oh man that is it was incredible tremendous. right i mean that's so karate kiddish you know you bother mr miyagi <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of what it was cause i watched the show and i'm like dude that's dan lily right there yeah. <laughs> yeah. but he was he was uh he was a he was in the military uh-huh. and he, was, he had quite a quite a life you know the guy he had served in the military that's when he was in okinawa that's where he learned that uh-huh and then, uh, you know, he brought it over, and he had he had actually two different ranks that he had at that time from the Okinawan. Uh, I want to. I can't remember what he told me his story. I can't remember his exact teacher's name. Yeah. It's been a couple of days since sure. we talked about it. <laughs> but he, uh, his story was how he met him. <clears throat> he was sitting in a bar in Okinawa, and this, you know, some guys started stirring up some shit, you know. Uh-huh. And he talked to the lady running the bar, and he said, "Hey, you know, uh, you want me to take care of that?" And she goes, "No, Papa-san, take care." And she looked over, and this dude grabbed him, wrapped him up, threw him out in the street, you know. And then he was like, of course, i got to know this shit, right? That's funny. So, he, yeah, he started studying with him and just learned it. And uh, he was tall compared to the Okinawans. You know, he's a pretty long-legged, lanky American. Right. And uh, he actually earned two ranks. He earned one for the formal Matoboru, which was a second degree, and then he had a fifth degree in fighting. Wow. So that was interesting, man, that I'd, I'd never heard of that. Well, of course, I'd never heard of much back then, you know. Of course. But to this day, I've rarely heard of anybody having that kind of a thing going on. I've never heard so, of that. Yeah, yeah I never heard of that. Right. But he was a real trip, man, and, I, you know, I learned a lot of good, you know, I mean, conditioning and things like that, just, you know. And, you know, we trained, everybody talks about how hard Kaji Kembo trains. We bang just as hard. Uh-huh. Now, we were not, there was no such thing as control. You know, you're punching the shit out of each other. Right. That's right. what it was. We're in the back. His backyard, he actually, you know, he uh, grew organic vegetables and stuff, too. No kidding. So he would take them into town, and uh, that's what I mean. He was just like, he was like Mr. Miyagi, you know. <laughs> and he even had a pet deer. He called it Deer John. He used to come walk around sometimes. Wow. He'd training. He'd come out and look at us and go back into trees. That's know? so cool. So how long but, How long did you train with this guy for? Was it a while? Was it... Pretty much up until I went in the military. Wow. So, you know? so yeah, so so, had, all right. yeah, a couple of years, and... And so yeah, it was in years. a public thing. It was just you and a couple guys. No, no, it was just he had did he had done that over the past. You know, he had taught uh-huh. in like uh, recreation centers and stuff like yeah. that. But you know, by the time we got to him, he was pretty much done with it. He didn't want to teach anymore. Yeah. And at the and rec center, let's face it, and he the hound dog him a bit before he let us teach us stuff. Yeah, and at the, at the you know YMCA, he couldn't teach what he probably really wanted to teach. It had to be way watered down. So you got the pure stuff. Well, I imagine, yeah, because, you know, I didn't train with him there. But, you know, right. he turned out some real good dudes, though. But they were more uh, the his go-to guys, you know, uh-huh. like uh, Ed McCauley and some of those guys. Those were people that he would send us over to. Like he kind of, in the beginning, when we were bugging him, he'd be like, well, go train with this guy. So we'd go work out with him for a little while. I don't know. I guess we earned enough clout by running around wanting it bad enough that he took us on, you know. Yeah, that's great. No, that's great. And then after that, you went to... Well, then I went in the military, right. you know, and I went all over the place. What possessed you to go in the military? Is it something you wanted to do, or is it just, uh, as Hawk said, I needed a job? <laughs> no, well, you know, uh, you know, I was a grease monkey in Wyoming. Yeah. You know, had nothing, had nothing going on, man. Didn't have a pot to piss in, didn't have shit. Yeah. So couldn't afford to go to school or nothing like that, and didn't even want to go to school anymore. Sure. After yeah. high school, I was done, dude. That's it. I barely made it through that. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I just didn't really care. Yeah. And then, uh. 
I remember when I was talking to the recruiter because I was a motorhead, you know, I always, you know, building cars and screwing around. And uh, he goes, well, you like fast cars and you want to do electronics because that's what my dad said. Get into electronics. It'll be blah, 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 all this. So he goes, how about <laughs> fixing electronics on jets? So what? He goes, you can fix electronic equipment on jets. He goes, sign me up, dude. So that's I was so gone. Then you were gone. How long were you in? I was in for eight years. Wow. It's a long time. You, yeah, and you went everywhere. A whole bunch. And did a lot of different things, too, man. You yeah. know, the avionics thing was the key, but there was some other stuff happening in the background that we'll just leave it there. Yeah, yeah. Now, would you go, would you, if you had to do it over again, would you go back into the service or would you have stayed longer? I'd definitely go back in. Well, I think I probably would have done I, You know, I don't know, man, because when I retired, when I got out, retirement was an option. I thought about it, but, you know, deployments are tough, dude. You know, you got, because, you know, I had the wife and the kids and stuff, you know, and it's like, it ain't, you know, leaving them for six months at a pop and stuff like that. It's really tough. Oh, yeah. So I probably would have, yeah, I probably would have got out again. Yeah, you would have just, you get the same, because right, it is, it's a lot of stress on the family, and who knows where the hell you're going or what you're up to. And if well, you know, and the other thing is, too, you know, I mean, you, you really do grow apart for six months, because you have to do it, because you're independent, right? Right. You're off doing your thing, and you've got, you don't rely on them, and they don't rely on you, and then you get back together. And you're supposed to bring that all back together again. So that was a struggle. Yeah, I didn't even think it was. So that was a struggle, obviously. Then. That is hard, man. You know, it takes you about six months to get your shit back together again, and then you're getting ready to go again. Yeah. So it's right. like, you know, yeah, it was It was kind of tough, man, you know. I probably wouldn't have minded retiring for the paycheck and all that, but sure. eh, it is what it is. No, no, I got you, I got you. And the, and, the, and the boys were just small little kids, obviously, at that time. Yeah, they were real tiny. Yeah. yeah, we came to Texas. They were just they were in elementary school when we came to Texas. Yeah, I know you told before we got in there. You told me your your one son's what? You getting married in thirty something? <laughs> yeah, he's thirty one now. Going to get yeah. married, and the other one's older than him, and is thinking about it. Right, and I just remember when I first met, they were just much. Yeah, they were they nothing. I don't know, man. They were probably in high school. <laughs> yeah, they were in high school. Yeah, when I first came around, I was like, "Good oh, Lord, that's you forget how time flies." We haven't seen each other in a few years. Yeah, just life. And yeah. They, but then you go, my God, it just goes so fast. You know what, though? It seems like it's yesterday, huh? Oh, it does. It does. You know, one of the things I shared it, and we were at a, I don't know what the hell it was, but I was talking to a bunch of people about, it was after, I think it was after a tacket seminar, and we were talking about doing another camp. That's what it was. And I was talking to other people about it, and I said, part of the camp, part of these seminars, alone from the excellent training, is the brotherhood and the friendships that you have made. You know, you don't get to see these guys every day. You see them once a year, once every couple of years. And then, excuse me, after the seminar, you go out and have something to eat, something to drink. And you BS and you have a grand old time. It's, and even if you haven't seen somebody in a couple of years, it is, I swear to God, it's just like you picked up, like you, I saw you yesterday, you know, and it doesn't mm-hmm. go away. And it's great. And I, as a result of yeah, being involved in martial arts and being Philly with you and Hawk and others, I've met so many people that I still keep in contact with, uh, you know, and, and you're and look, thanks. To, I hate to say it, but thanks to Facebook, you can kind of see what's going on in their life. So there's no, oh, he's doing this or she's doing that or whatever. It's pretty, pretty neat. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting brotherhood that happens in it. But so so getting back to the Kaju Kembo. How did you, when did you, did you start that in the military? Did you start that elsewhere? Or how did you discover yeah, I started that? Yeah, just as I was getting ready to get out of the military. Uh, okay. I had a buddy, Ken Shea. He was, he's actually my first black belt. And uh, we had been training together in the military. We were stationed together and we trained. And I was, you know, pretty much teaching him what I had at that time. Yeah. And uh, he was, I was getting ready to go on deployment, I think. I was my last one. I was going to Japan. And, uh, you know, he had hit me up. He goes, hey, I want to go, uh, maybe I'll train a little bit while you're gone. You know, I want you to come check this guy out. And uh, he went over to the school with my teacher, Brian Yoshi, and he goes, what do you think? And I said, dude, you know, sign up. And at that time, I was really, uh, I guess, private. You know, I mean, I, you know, I don't talk. I, you know, I'm not, I don't brag about shit or nothing, you know. Yeah. So we were sitting there, and, uh, you know, he started asking if we'd done any training. And most of the time, I wouldn't say anything. I'd just be, you know, hey, you'll figure it out once we get the mat, you know, that kind of thing. But with him, you know, I just felt open with him, you know. Just communication, start talking about it, and all of a sudden, boom, we're just yakking away. I told him, I said, hey, man, in six months when I get back, I'm going to come over here. He's like, okay, and I mm-hmm. did. As soon as I got back, I went over there, and that was it. And this was where, 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 where was this? This was in uh, San Jose, in Santa Clara, California. Santa Clara, okay. Yeah, cause there's a bunch. You know, the cities are all connected out there. So his, we were off of, uh, God, I want to say it was, if I can remember right, I think it was 1684 Lafayette Street. Wow, that's a... right off, right off <laughs> El Camino Real. 
No kidding. So when you went back to... Yeah, we were to... right down the street from Ernie Ray's West Coast place, man. Oh, no kidding. What a culture change. You had us. We were uh, we were on Lafayette a little ways down the street, closer to uh, 101. You had John Sepulveda's Kempo School over there. Then you had us. Then you took a ride on El Camino. You went down a little ways. Then you had Ernie Reyes's big West Coast type one right. school, you know. And, uh, you know, the Kempo and Kaju guys, we had little bitty rooms, little buildings, worn out mats, you know, and you drive by and see Ernie Reyes's worn out windows and everything, you know. It's like, wow. But, man, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have traded where I was training for nothing. Yeah, right. And, and when you walked into the gym the first time, what were you thinking? Well, you know, it looked, it looked real to me, you know, because I walked in. <clears throat> it wasn't, you know, because I, you know, I wasn't a formal-looking dude anyway. I wasn't looking for fancy schools. I was looking right. for some good stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and that's what I saw. I saw men are working, sweating, doing what they did, and, and really clean technique. And I was like, shit. Because, you know, up until that point, you know, I had been – kind of putting together my own cookbook of what martial arts was. You know, I was taking boxing, kickboxing, I'd done the hop keto, so I would take joint locks and throws and stick them in there with what I was doing, so I was kind of doing a sandlock Kaja Campbell anyway, you know. If you start putting the stuff together, I was punching, kicking, throwing people down. You know, we were working it that way, but we didn't have a cookbook, you know. Yeah. And then when I got into Kaja Campbell, I realized, man, they got they already got it written out. You know, it's all it's I already do done for you. Damn thing, you yeah. know? No more writing, I can just start reading. So mm. it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> now we were welcomed in, or did you have to like? Did you have a no? It was no bully problem. Beat at all. Down? Yeah, they welcomed me in. Now you know, there's different levels of the circles too, right? Yeah. So you welcome in as a student. You know, they were cool with that. But you know, in order to get to where you're like one of the guys, you had to you had to put the sweat in and and uh, sure. put, leave a little bit of red on the mat. You know, before you were one of the guys. You right, know, right, right. Nothing, nothing was given away. Never. No, not even close. Right. Shit, I came in there as a black belt already. And I it didn't probably, matter. Yeah. No, no, I started off as a white belt, didn't even question it. Right. All I had to do is he had to give me a white belt because I didn't have one. Ah, <laughs> well, that's but really then, humbling. Uh, that just shows, you know, your ability. I wore that son of a bitch right. for a year and a half as a white belt. Wow. I about a year. That's Before great. I even got a test for my yellow belt. That's funny. But, you know, that because. amazing, you know, because I think he just wanted to test out my humility, you know. And I, Right, and I get it. I get, and, you know, when you were running a public school, I know you're teaching privately now. Um when you, so many times, I'm sure you've experienced. I the, the, the here's the two conversations, the two conversations I have. One is, uh, how long will it take for me to come in, train, and get a fight, and how long does it take me to be an instructor or a black belt? You get these two questions, <clears throat> and the answer is, I have no idea. Maybe never, yeah. right? As you said, how hard are you willing to work? What are you willing to do? You know, but everyone wants that microwave. Uh, solution. Put it in two minutes later, it's done. And that's not how it works in this world. Not to get the real no, stuff. Not. not at all. <clears throat> and if it does, man, it's phony anyway, so it doesn't matter. R- absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. You know, but the one thing about most of those people are, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, we've been training since we were old enough to walk straight, you know? Yeah. And, and part of that's because we had the desire inside of us to go ahead and say, I don't give a shit if it takes 50 years to get to, I just want right. to, I just want to train. You know, because I never worried about rank or nothing. You know, I mean, it all shows up. And that's what I tell people. I go, you know, if you just keep on training, that stuff's irrelevant because it's all going to show up. That's good. You know? Yeah, you're right. It doesn't even, you don't even know. You know, I look through my stuff. I got so damn many pieces of paper. I don't even know what to do with them all. <laughs> right. They're just you know, like in a box. Not one of them ever want to fight for me. Uh, that's for sure. Don't you know what my <laughs> rank is? <laughs> No, and they don't care either. That's great. Yeah. So, how, so I never took, showed a piece of paper to nobody and had them back down, you know. All right. Yeah, I wish that was the case. I wish it was that simple. Yeah, no shit. All right. And you, did you stay there for how many years at this place before? Because then you moved to Texas at some point. So. Yeah, I was with Yoshi for, I don't know, man, from mid-'80s, I guess, till probably, I don't know, till mid-'90s, you know, because I came out to Texas in 95. Okay. What made you move to Texas? Work. Uh, you got a job down there. Yeah, because what I did is, you know, when I was uh, doing the, the electronic comm stuff in the Navy, and my friend Ken, the guy that uh, that I was teaching, right, when I was in the Navy, he got out and he went to work for a semiconductor company. Okay. And he went right away. He went. They sent him out to Texas, and he started working for some of these high-end companies out here as a as a vendor, you know, as a rep, because we sold the equipment to him. And uh, he kept on bugging me, you know, hey, man, you need to come out here, you need to come out here. And I was like, dad, dude, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, and I'd always keep him on the path because he wanted to quit training, you know. And I tell you what, man, at that time, funny to believe or not, mm-hmm. you know, you'd think Texas had all these, you know, all this credible martial arts. There was a bunch of clone 
phony mothers out here. Really? You know, yeah, he would tell me about the people he's training with and what's going on, and I'd be like, well, whatever. Like, he went to this one school, and they were trying to uh, hold air shields, you know, and do sidekicks on them. Uh-huh. And uh, he told me, you know, because I taught him how to kick hard. That's what we did, you know. And that was even back in the day, you know, doing the Taekwondo and stuff. You know, there was there was little dudes that could just do the jump aerials and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You know, they would do all the crazy kicking, and I was like, man, you know, you know how I'm going to fit in here? I'm just going to kick hard as hell. Uh-huh. I'm going to learn how to just cave people's ribs in and shit and that's what i was gonna say i'm gonna be known for not wanting to be kicked by versus the cool kick i can throw yeah and uh so when we hit stuff man we hit air shields hard you know and i'd had him training just beating the bags up so he got over there and these guys are holding an air shield and they go kick the shield well this guy's kind of standing in a front horse stance he tells me right he goes he holds the air shield and he goes you want to you gonna hold it like that and he goes yeah so he side kicked and knocked him on his ass bounced him across the <laughs> you know just stuff like that so he'd tell me and he'd go yeah. what do you think i go well man you know just don't quit looking just, <laughs> just keep looking around. Right, right, right. That place ain't going to give you what you need. You right, know? right. So when and then when I got out there, man, there was a place. Uh, so that was pretty much the California years, you know, training with those guys. And yeah. as far as, you know, great guys to train with, some of the toughest people, man, that I ever met, I can say were out of there. You know, uh, Chris Brinkerhoff was the old FFKA world champ, Intercon- mm-hmm. ISKA intercontinental champ. And, uh, you know, we had to fight with him all the time because he'd come mm-hmm. in and we were like his sparring partners. Wow. So we had, yeah, had world champ kickboxers his brother uh pat could have been a pro and i even asked him that once because pat would have been he'd have been close to the heavyweight chris was a middleweight i think he's even welter i can't remember exactly. yeah but uh you know but you know he's always when he wasn't fighting dude probably weighed 175 pounds something like that you know or 180 maybe but man he was just in just such a brute man he's like you know training with van damme you know the guy could just 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 muscled up dude man yeah. could kick anything and he and he just didn't know uh he was a Terminator, you know. Ugh. He just, I mean, he just turned his head on, and that's it, man. You know, once his eyes got lit, you, you know, you just in the ring. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go home, and the wife would look at me funny. We'd be eating sometimes, and she'd go, you know, I'd be chewing my food real slow, and she go, "Did you, did you fight with that guy again?" Like, <laughs> did you your know, mouth goes, you can't eat. I'm like, Shit, <laughs> you know, whatever. Your jaw was hurt. You know, what do you do too? You know, because we had this room when you first came into school. You take it, you know, you had the heavy bag sitting there, and you had the office off to the left, and then you took a right and went in this little room we had. We called that the black belt room, right? Uh-huh. And when Chris came in, that's exactly where he'd go. He'd just head right to the room, and he'd start stretching out. And when you came in, you knew that you, you know, you could have done one of two things. You could have walked out and tried to act like you're going to teach a class. But if you weren't, you know, I mean, if, if uh, and, you know, I'm not going to cut titles off of names here for disrespect. I'm just going to cut them off for simplicity. Mm-hmm. Like, I respect all these guys. Like, you know, Grandmaster Yoshi is my teacher, but I'm just going to call him Yoshi. Yeah. You know, and Grandmaster Max Fallon, I'll call him Max. And those guys, you know, I'm not going to throw the titles on here because we only got an hour. <laughs> yeah. Titles are too <laughs> but, you know, long. So when, when you come in now, if Yoshi would ask you to go teach, you know, teach or something, well, then oh. you go out on the floor and you do what you got to do. Yeah. But if he didn't say nothing to you, man, you know, you had to go in the room. You know, you couldn't, you just had to walk in the black belt room. And when you did, you sat down and started tra- stretching and got ready to do your round, you know? Yeah. Chris is going to spar nonstop, and you're going to get in there and get your licks and sit down. You know, you're basically we're just sparring partners for him. You know, wow. Now, how long did it take you to get? You know, and it was good times. Yeah. And then uh, I tell you, man, probably one of the toughest guys. This guy's you. You and he remind me of so much of each other because you're so <laughs> rounded in the way you do things. I mean, but this guy, this guy's a beast, Don Bono. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, to this day, man, he, you know, he's a grandmaster now too, and that dude was just a beast. Yeah. He's the main reason I started grappling. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd go back there and visit because we'd always bring shit back and forth, right? Because yeah. I was always looking. And, uh, you know, uh, at that time, you know, Professor Gaylord turned into Grandmaster Gaylord, Great Grandmaster Gaylord, all those, all those names. Not Again, not a disrespect thing, but just the guy was, he was who he was, you know. Mm-hmm. Charles Gaylord was a bad man. And uh, <clears> I was training one day, we were doing a black belt workout, and I think I was already, I was leaving or I had come back to visit because our company was based out of Fremont, California. Okay. So... I'd always have trips back to California to see those guys. So I was always coming back and training, and I'd, I'd go pop in, and I'd try to schedule some of my trips around. The, he did monthly black belt workouts at somebody's school all around the Bay Area. So I'd try to get in there and, and do a workout whenever I could come back. I'd try to train with him, and then, of course, I'd go down to, to Yoshi's school and train with him and John and those guys. And I'd always be bringing back stuff, and I had already started training with Hawk by then, right? So I was bringing back his stuff, uh-huh. and then uh, John was training with Larry Hartzell, so he was showing me the stuff he was getting from Larry. Wow. And we just go back and forth Nice on combination stuff, you know? of stuff. Oh, it was cool, man. And, uh, you know, so that got me. That's really where I started tripping on JKD. Aside from loving Bruce Lee, you know, from the kid, that's pretty much what got me doing this. 
watching him on TV, and I had to have some of that. But, uh, you know, John was doing JKD with Larry, and I would come back, and, you know, I just I was reading out of books or doing whatever I could get. And then Hawk, you know, <laughs> his JKD connection, we were learning how to trap and stuff without knowing we were doing JKD. Yeah, you know? sure. And, uh, you know, later on you, you start learning it, and you're like, well, you showed me that once. Of course, you trained that too. Okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you hook up but, with Hawk? Dan Lewis. Oh, okay. So yeah. when I got – it's funny, man. <clears throat> I was looking to get some more knife stuff, you know, because I've always been the searcher, man. You know, I, was, I want to yeah. learn more. I, I want to get this. Yeah. I want to get that. And uh, I was on AOL. Remember those days? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you thought it was fast. Room, the Congress, <laughs> Congress of America. I think it was yeah, Congress of American funny. Knife Fighters at that time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got on there, and I saw he was up in Dallas. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, uh, that sounds like, I, you know, I want to do that, man. I'm gonna get, I want to get some really good knife stuff, you know, because we got some nice stuff. But, you know, I want to see what's what's going on with these, some of this military knife stuff or whatever. You know, it it, was, it looked like a pretty rough and tumble crowd, and I thought it'd be kind of fun. Yeah. So I called him up, and he's in Dallas, and I didn't know shit about Texas really then. I didn't know how far Kerrville was away. You know, uh, about yeah, Dallas Texas is gigantic. And Kerrville's 110 or something, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. But then, uh, <laughs> well, Dallas is a long ways away. Do you got anybody closer? He goes, yeah, I got a one of my students, Dan Lewis, is in Kerrville. So he gave me his number, and boom, I called him right away. And then, you know, we started training, and, man, every week, he'd either be in Austin or I'd be in Kerrville. Oh, wow. Nice. He's, he's another one of them dudes, man, like a blood brother. The first day you, you touch knuckles with each other, you knew you are going to, you know, you weren't going to lose each other, you know. Yeah, yeah. And to this day, we still train. You oh, know, I'll go to great. his house or he'll come over here, and we're mm-hmm. still working our shit half the stuff i do the innovations and stuff is because of stuff we made up you know isn't that funny right and and, right i don't want to mean to interrupt you and that's where it should be at some point in time and you and you get new ideas and you mix and you match and you put stuff together and you come up with something completely new and better it's great that's that's it's great to explore that you know it's too bad more people don't do that instead of repeating stuff all the time so yeah, and a lot of times when some people they say, "Well, what was the, you know, the the best thing or your uh, the best thing about the martial arts or whatever?" And I was going, you know, like the best thing about Kaiser Campbell, one of them. You know, I love the art and I love the people, but that that Kaiser Campbell black belt opened so many doors for me, you know, because mm-hmm. it was respected. Yeah. And so when people saw that, they wanted some of that, and I was looking at what they did, and I wanted some of what they did, and then boom, we just traded. You know, I wasn't like you're running over training at Jimmy Joe's. Mm-hmm dojo you're going in there on saturday after classes and working with them you know yeah you just end up having you know a couple guys a couple instructors getting together knocking each other's heads around trying to figure shit out you know right How that much... was the, that was the joy of it for me yeah. you know, it wasn't like if you learn their system it's just because you know you weren't trying to you just end up getting good enough at it for a while sure. to throw paper at you you know so how long was it till you got your first kaju kembo black belt who gave it to you brian yoshi oh he did okay yeah that's where, you know, that's, you know, once you're Sifu, always you're Sifu. You know, I've trained yeah. with other people, done whatever, but, you know, he's always going to be the guy. You know, he's what put me on the family tree, so he's oh, the guy. Right. And, then you, and you've never stopped doing it, so now you're, what What, what are you now, Kajo Kemba? You're seventh? No, I got ranked up to ninth, yeah. Holy 26th. shit, really? Oh, no, I just yeah. denied. No kidding. It's just, it's, it overwhelms me, too, man, because, you know, it's just That's like, you know, crazy. You just you're not worthy, you know, it's that kind of thing. So right, and look, and 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 you are look. I've trained with a lot of guys all over the planet, and you're one of the baddest ones I've ever come across. You you can do a little bit of everything. You mix and match it really well. You have a complete understanding of that, and on top of it, you're pretty humble, you know, which helps and it makes it easy. Makes you approachable. You're a great teacher, so you had a lot to offer, you know. So I mean, wow, night. I didn't even realize that. I congratulations. We're coming from you, man. That's a yeah. pretty good compliment because I see you exactly the same way, you know. And that's, I guess, why some of the guys, you know, that's why guys like you, I really, I honor and cherish the friendships, you know, right. because you're the ones that make sense to me. You know, we can work out together, and, you know, we're not worried about nothing. I don't think we ever put a belt on training. We're never worried about nothing. We just worked out, you know. Right, 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 right. And you just go at it, and you figure out stuff, and so. Yeah, you know, you pick something you like, you see something you <laughs> like, you know. Even to this day, you know, it, it's great watching Hawk when he's teaching seminars, because there's times when you know he's, He's picking up what you're doing, and it's it's a compliment, right? Oh, absolutely. You'll be, you'll be doing something or whatever, and he's over there watching real close. Then he takes off. You go, ah, oh, he liked it. <laughs> right, right. And I've seen like that's I've, when you know he, he just yeah. he just stole it, right? He just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said he said that, I forget where the hell I was, and we're doing something, 
He goes, he just looks at me and goes, I'm stealing that. And I said, okay, what can I do about it? <laughs> now, yeah, but that's important. You know, no one owns anything. Nothing's due. And that's important to be able to go, hey, I like that so much. I'm going to take it. And, and, and See, that was, that was something that got stuck in my head really young. I guess I kind of jumped off the trail a little bit. But uh, when I was talking about one of the times, early times back in the 90s when I was going back to California. Mm-hmm. Well, Grandmaster Gaylord, when I started, about when I started tooting his horn, uh, one of the things he told me was, you know, I was telling him I was training with other people. You know, I was there was no doubt about it, and nobody cared. You know, and the one thing he told me is, he goes, you know, everything's Kaiju Kimbo. Because it don't matter. He goes, you take what you want. He goes, just don't, you know, add what you want. Just don't add no bullshit. Ooh, yes, sir. Yeah. And then from there on out, man, that's it. I never worried about what anybody else had to say. You know. Yeah, and that's pretty interesting that he wasn't, uh, 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 to his uh, credit, is that he wasn't. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't upset that you were looking and training with other people. It was just to improve you, so he wasn't offended by it. Or No, it wasn't like I was trying to leave him, you know. I sure. Mean, I was just trying to, you know, I was still true blue to Kaiju Kimbo. I was just, you know, wanting to, you know, and that was something I kind of did too, my little personal vision quest, you know, because it was around that time when I started saying, you know, because I'd already studied, you know, had a pretty good taste of Ka, you know, and then through the hot keto I had a good taste of the Jew. Yeah. And I said, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna get well versed in each one of these, you know, mm-hmm. Kaiju Cannonball. Right. Separate. And I started I started chasing Kempo people all over, you know, and I'd already been boxing, so I figured, well, I'm gonna add Jeet Kune Do to that. I'm gonna start working some Muay Thai, whatever I can get with a bow in it, you know. And uh, started trying to study that stuff, you know. It's just kind of like I wanted to get as rounded in each one of those as I could, you know. Right now, what, so, what now? I know what it is, but for those who don't, what does Kaiju Kempo stand? What's well, the cause, you know, karate, mm-hmm. and then and you like my little role there. I was I good. Say Texas karate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Jew is judo and jujitsu. Yeah, um, there's a lot of different names that they say it was called Sikunaru jujitsu. Supposedly that was Uncle Frank Ordinez's okay. contribution, but uh-huh. being that I had a pretty good relationship with Uncle Frank, and we spoke <laughs> highly about this thing. You know, it was basically done on <clears throat> jujitsu that they did in Hawaii. Yeah, and then the Ken was uh, the Kempo that. Uh, you know, C.D. Operato brought mm-hmm. through, Grant, you know, through William Chow. And then the bow was, you know, they call it Chinese boxing, but it was really mostly American boxing because all those guys were boxers. They fought on the Hawaiian boxing teams and stuff like that. Yeah. So the bow was really, when you break it down to me, because Tong Sudo wasn't even an art back in the early 40s. It wasn't named yet, you know. No. But PYY2 was a Korean. So there you mm-hmm. go. Gotcha. So really, in my opinion, what it was was, you know, the stuff available in Hawaii, it was a melting pot, right? Yeah, yeah. Everything was there. You had karate styles there. You had jiu-jitsu styles there. You had kempo. You had boxing. You know, you had all that stuff. And these guys just put it together and said, hey, man, what would you do against this? What would you do against that? You know, and they're like, they started working it out. They were training back in these uh, military housing areas where, you know, that were vacated because, of, you know, the war and people moving and stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, they just had little areas where they trained and they kind of kept it kept it on the down low. Didn't really say what they were doing, and put it together. And that was the start were, of it. Yeah, it was a real cool deal, you know. They, no, absolutely. How they, did, did they try to spread it, or did it just happen organically? Well, it took off pretty big on Hawaii. You know, I'm, you know, as far as exactly <clears> when <throat> they started, because they called it Kempo for a while. They didn't actually coin the name Kaja Kempo for gotcha. a bit. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Um, and then, you know, it just it grew in Hawaii, you know. Uh, C.J. ended up getting a bunch of different, uh, you know, some different locations where he trained at, and then he mm-hmm. had his brother Joe was training, and a bunch of other guys that branched out, you know. And uh, Tony Lassett was actually a student of C.J. Imperato, which is who uh, Gaylord studied with. Gotcha. Gaylord, Gaylord trained under Tony Lassett, or not Tony Lassett, I'm sorry. Um, why am I losing my name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Paul know. Ceronio, Paul Ceronio. Yeah. Okay. I retract the Tony Lassett thing. That's a guy in in Texas here. I, you know, great guy, but he's not he's not the guy we're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah, so uh, after that, thing, Gaylord came to from Hawaii to America, and there was quite a few guys. You know, you had mm-hmm. main ones you consider uh, that are spoken about in history. Yeah. You had uh, Alejo Reyes, uh, all the Costco's, Tony Ramos, Alejo Reyes, Gaylord. Those were like the main guys. You had some guys in a and L.A. too that came over. John Leoning brought it over. Carlos Bundo was there. You know, so, you know, it was pretty much all of California was the biggest place it hit, though. Yeah. You know, because they all came over and landed in California, and that's kind of where it took that's off. That's right. Similar weather. So, and there yeah. were some other guys, too, you know, that uh, 
were in the military that trained over there that took it all over the place. Okay. You know, and actually mm-hmm. Tony Lasso was one of those guys. I think he, he was in the Air Force, I believe. He, you know, and this is secondhand information. It's not considered gospel for sure. Right, right. But, uh, you know, he had trained, I believe he had a school going in Thailand for a while, you know, and then uh, he settled in Texas, and he was a, uh, responsible for a lot of the Texas Scotch Campbell. You know, because mine, really, my, my roots were all California. I ended yeah. up in Texas, but I was California. You were California. Campbell, you know? And when did you, so after you, went, you were doing all this stuff here in Texas, when did, because it's a big move to open up your, you had a public school, and you were doing it full-time for a while, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big Yeah, move. almost 10 years, almost. Wow. See, that's that's a successful school. That's It's a hard job, especially doing the hardcore shit you were doing. Well, you know, and the other part was, man, if I could do it over, I'd yeah. probably, because, you know, I was, Really hungry to learn a lot of stuff, right? You know, that school, man, through that time we were there, we had a lot of people come through that you place. Did. Some serious martial artists, man. No doubt. Dude, I mean, it was like a, it was like the, the place to go for badasses coming through town. Yeah, yeah. You know, we brought, you know, and a lot of it I got to give credit to Hawk for, you know, because he knew all these people. Uh-huh. He turned me on to him, you know. Like, I'd be, <clears> when I was searching on my JKD quest, you know, I was uh, training, you know, with some different people. And, you know, he goes, well, how about Tim Tackett? Well, well, yeah. You know, I wouldn't even think that I could train with Tim Tackett. Right. And it was like, he's, he's the name I heard, and I go, well, how do I approach that guy? He goes, here, I'll, I'll get you guys hooked up on email. <laughs> Next thing you know, Tim's coming to the school, you know? Yeah, that's funny. Just, that was the kind of thing it was, you know? And then uh, just different things, like Max Fallon, through, he was, he was, you know, he's a senior grandmaster, a high-ranking Kaiser Kimball guy. Right. And that's really how I got to know him, because uh, Grandmaster Gaylord, he had, some very specific, you know, he had these real high-ranking guys all had, like, a specialty to a point. You know, like, uh, Grandmaster Warriors was more the Chinese weaponry and the, and the gung-fu stuff. And then, uh, you know, he had uh, Grandmaster Palin. He was the Filipino martial arts guy. Mm-hmm. Wolf Hilsheim was kind of the sport karate guy. Melkor Chavez was teaching Muay Thai, and then he was into a different, you know, uh, the Robio Eskrima. So there was these guys that were that kind of specialists. So, you know, if you were a a KA black belt, you could just kind of, you didn't have to really even leave the house, you know, you could just go try and, even though they didn't all live in the same location, you know, like uh, Grandmaster Chavez is in New Mexico and the rest of them are around the Bay Area. Yeah. So you could just, if you wanted to specialize, you could train with them, you know. So how I ended up uh, <clears throat> hooking up with the Sincoteros group deeper than the Kaiser Chemical Connection. Yeah. So it was there, you know, the main stick work we did, because my teacher, Brian, he was, he trained under Max when he was a little kid. Oh, wow. So he was one of his first teachers. So, uh, yeah, he was a little kid. Uh, Max used to talk about him coming running up the stairs in his little backpack, you know, and teaching him as he, when he was a little kid. <laughs> so he trained him, and then, uh, but he actually got his black belt from uh, Pete Morales. Okay. Which is, so that would be considered like mine. You know, the Chinese uh, family hierarchy is all messed up with Kaiser Campbell anyway. You can't figure it out if you try and use the right terms. Yeah. So, like Sifu means basically father, right? Uh-huh. Sea Gung would mean grandfather, and, you know, Sea Tai Gung would be great-grandfather, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But what Kajikembo did is they kind of started throwing it around it at ranks, you know. So Sea oh. Bok actually mm-hmm. means older uncle, yep. you know. So that would mean, like, say uh, say you were a Sifu of a school, or I was a Sifu of a school, and you were, you know, trained, you were one of my Kajikembo brothers, but you were higher ranked than me. Yeah. You would be my Sea Bok, or their Sea Bok, right? So that would mean older uncle. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're not just my uncle, you're my, my old... My older brothers that make you, you know, their their Seabock. Well, they started giving that away at first degree. So talk about confusing, right? Right, no doubt. Sifu, Sifu was given out a third degree, and then, you know, that was held, and then Seagung was usually a six-degree title, professor at eighth, and grandmaster at ninth. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you could, so if you really wanted to look at it, you know, Brian Yoshi was my Sifu, Deep Morales would be my Seagung, and then Seataigung would be Gaylord. Gotcha. But now... Uh, Seabock, I guess, would have been Max Fallon. You know, he was like right. a senior black belt that was in the family. Like he was, but he, I don't know, there's probably another title for that because he was like uh, Yoshi's older uncle. Jesus. You know, so I don't know what that one would be, but, you know, to make a long story short, uh, I knew him through training, and every time I'd go back to California, if we were around, we'd, you know, we'd see each other. So we knew each other, and, you know, but we weren't really close or considered student teacher, right? Um, Hawk again. <laughs> we're up, he was, we were doing a seminar up at Snake Blocker's place up in uh, uh, Redondo Beach, or was it? I don't know. He's been all over the place. I know. He's... Some beach up by L.A. Yeah. I can't remember which one it was. But anyway, so we're up there doing the seminar, and it was a little while before people were coming to do the seminar. So 
he had a kind of a cool little school. You could walk in, and he had weights and stuff, you know, and you could walk over and just kind of, if you were a member of the gym, you could just walk in, hit the weights and cut out, or you could walk in and do certain things if there was no classes going on and the doors were open. So I look over, and I look in a reflection in the mirror, and I, I, you know, I'm like, I know that dude. I go, what would he be doing? Huntington Beach. That's where we were, Huntington Beach. I go, what would he be doing at Huntington Beach? You know? Ah, never mind. <laughs> so I turn around, and I walk back, I look in the mirror, and I go, that's, that's Max. So I walk over and I look in no there. No kidding. Go, Mr. Pallon, you know, and he's like, oh, how are you? And I sit there and go, remember me? And go, oh, what are you doing here? And then we start talking, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so we were doing a PAC seminar. So I was teaching, you know, what I was, because I started coining what I did, Kaiser Comic Club Bad is, because I wasn't doing the forms and all that stuff. You know, that's yeah. what, what we worked up in and the stuff I, I've worked all you guys up through. Yeah. Was the Kaiser Comic Club Bad is, you know? And then, uh, and then, you know, which we changed the Hawaiian Campbell Jiu Jitsu after a while, you know, because uh, I just went back to Kaiser Campbell because, Really, the reason I changed the Hawaiian Kempo Jiu-Jitsu is that was uh, Grandmaster Palin's, what's the word I'm looking for? Suggestion. Uh-huh. You know, because I was doing everything different anyway. Sure. And he goes, you know, you make it your kinda, own. Yeah, you, know, you need your own expression. Yes. He goes, let's think of something, you know. And I was like, well, I don't know, man. You know, and he liked the, he liked the Kempo Jiu-Jitsu and he liked the combat stuff because, you know, he likes to fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because like, he's like, oh, why don't you call it Hawaiian Combat Kempo and all this. And I was going, well, there's guys with, you know, everybody and their brother's got a name. What do you call it? Right. And I was going, I don't think anybody's got Hawaiian Kempo Jiu-Jitsu. No, I never so heard of that I, for you. Mm. Yeah, I used that for a while. But, you know, man, I could never get that to taste good coming out of my mouth, you know. It's always like, because yeah, what I'm you. doing is guys Kempo. And then I would roll back to what, what Gaylord said, you know, about, hey, call it what, you know, do what you want. Just don't add bullshit. And I wasn't doing that. You were not. Go, well, still, and according to him, it's still Kaiser Kempo, so. Right. We're still Kaiser Campbell. But no, that's good. That, you're right, and there's your growth because you, you know, part of changing too. I'm assuming. I don't know this to be true that you were trying to. You're right, since you weren't doing it in its purest form, should it be called that? And then, as you said, Gaylord straightened you out <laughs> and said, "Yeah, I was struggling with that, you know, because I yeah. kind of felt like a bad boy, even though I shouldn't, you know." Yeah. Because I already had the blessing of everybody. You know, Yoshi knew what I was doing. He didn't care. You know, Max mm-hmm. knew what I was doing. Nobody <laughs> cared. Everybody that was in my, if you want to call it, ranking structure was cool with it. You know. But there's other people, and you know the the sad thing about martial arts politics, man. I I really don't. To this day, right now, if you had to ask me what I'm training in, I just sat and thought about it. You know, I'm just doing martial science. You know, right. but I'm not an artist. You know, I'm just researching and developing. Yeah. You know, I'd call it fight science and martial science, whatever. Yeah. You know? that, which is great. Kevin Kimball's on the resume. So is Sincotero. So is Hawk stuff. So is your stuff. So is right. everybody's stuff. Right. But you know, it's it's my way of doing it, and and it's really <laughs> just a scientific approach, man. We get in there and we work on it, and if I see something better, I shit can that, and I do the new one. Imagine you know, it's, that. <laughs> it's more science, right? It is. It is. So now I never really cared about art, right? Never me neither. I could give a shit. When I I just did a little seminar this past weekend, and and you know, it's just it's fighting. It's it's martial science, whatever. And and you do have people from different lineages, whether it be maybe Wing Chun or Kung Fu or Shotokan or whatever, and they'll go, oh, we have something like that in this. And the truth is the truth, and it flows through all these different arts, and it's up to us to make it work for us. And that therein lies the magic. And uh, I just teach whatever it is that I my take on it, you know, whether it's JKD yeah. or Kaju Kemba or Jiu-Jitsu or boxing. <clears throat> it is what it is. You know, and you guys, when you guys, you know, and it's like uh, I'm honored when you guys say what you're showing is some Kaju Kemba stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm also... I'm honored when I just see you doing stuff because I, you know, I just, I'm honored to be a part of your, you know, your little crew, you know, we're all one part of the group. I'm right. honored to be considered your friend more than I am, you know, to say any kind of, cause you know, I mean, when you get to where we're at, there's never, you know, student teacher relationship going on. Yeah. We're just a couple of guys sharing shit, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yes, and that's sir. what it is. It you is. Know? It so is. Everybody goes like, well, who was your teacher? Well, okay. You know, if that's what you need, to, if that's what it takes to make you get through the day, then this guy was my teacher in this. Yeah. But really, we were training at the same time, making up the same shit at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So now when you get, now you get, you, you, the school's been gone for how long now? I shut her down in 2010. Oh, 2010. Okay. I don't realize yeah. it was that long. And now you're, you're a, a training privately. Are you actively seeking students or is there some number or something we can give out to just a face. Uh, you thing. can tell anybody to give me a call if they want. You know, what I'm really doing is I'm, I'm keeping it old school, man. You know, I mean, I'm kind of, I've got a group that I enjoy training with and we're having fun. Because, mm-hmm. you know, back in, I'll tell you if I could do it over again, that kind of deal. Um, it was like I said, man, we were seeking, you know, I was bringing in everybody for everything. And, and my students, 
don't really even know what they got exposed to. No, they don't. You know, a lot of them do. You know, some of the, the ones that were thinking about it, but everybody else just thought that was common hat, right? Oh, doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> no, dude. No. I mean, you got the opportunity to be training with you, Tim Tack, at Hot Hot Time. I found all these people. You know, different people. <clears throat> it's, you know, you just don't get that everywhere. You don't, and, and right, <clears throat> and they, they don't. Some of the guys will get it. Others, it'll be they'll be completely oblivious to it and not realizing what you brought to the table there. Well, and then you had the guys, you know, and, and this is partially, you know, it's pretty much my fault because I want, you know, the rough and tumble side of me wanted to keep it, keep it kind of hardcore. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so I had the guys that wanted to be, you know, I could have made, I could have been great if I had a couple of pro fighters that could have paid the way. Yeah. That'd have been great. But, you know, you're trying to make money. And, you know, the probably the worst demographic for student retention is that 30-year-old group, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in their thirties through whatever because they're always getting married or some stupid things coming up where they can't afford tuition and they can't keep your doors open. Yeah. So I'd be modifying my curriculum, you know, start doing a little more MMA, a little more of this, a little more of that, you know, to appease these guys. And guess what? Yeah. You know, they're done. They drop out. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, you know, I, I let somebody else teach and guess what they're doing? They're letting them guys sneak in for free. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, he's my bro. I'll just let him come in. Yeah, you can train, bro. Well, yeah, why don't you start paying the rent then? <laughs> you know, if you're going to let that dude sneak in, then why right. don't you pay his share of the rent? The you electric know, company it, doesn't care. Yeah. yeah, this wheel needs grease, bro. No doubt. The electric company you know, doesn't care about your bro. That's just where things went, you know, and part of that I could have managed better, you know. And then sure. When you start, what do you do, though, as soon as you say that? Then you're an asshole, right? Right. Oh, you're, he, was a, he was a block belt. Yeah, he is, and he can come pay his dues, man. Right. That is a that big problem with, right, with, with the public schools. And, and it, when I had Hibernia, it, it, even though it was technically open to anyone, it was a much smaller thing to cost. And it was more like a, a garage group like Tackett or, you know, whatever. You're, you know, it was it was good. Um, and then you go to the more of a public forum, there's a lot more things that have to take place. And someone had asked me, what does it take to run a successful school? And I said, you need to be a black belt behind the desk. You know, yes. you, that's because you could be a crap karate guy and have 500 students. <laughs> That'd be well, on you your, can walk yeah. on any street corner and see that, right? Any street corner. So, and to do it hardcore, old school, much more difficult. You're more of a niche group. It's a special student. So it is a, it's a fine dance. Now, right now I'm able to kind of put like I, the boxing and the, and the BJJ, uh, kind of paid the way for the gym. I also do fitness you know, training, but it's hardcore fitness. I mean, it was 90, somewhat 93, 95 degrees in the gym the other night and with no air on. I have air, but I didn't turn it on. People passing out, vomiting, but people, <laughs> people right, it's awesome. But people pay, they, they get it when you walk into my gym, that it's a different mm-hmm. animal. It's a little harder. Now, I, I couldn't go as hard as I wanted to, like I would go with you. If it was just you and me in a gym, we'd be beating the shit out of each other, bloody and, and all the other stuff. And, and we'd go, that was awesome. Now, not everyone's signing up for that, but... Yeah, and my, everybody else, would, that'd be the last lesson. <laughs> but my clientele is a little harder. I do have competitive boxers, you know. Uh, I well, see, and that's where I think, uh, not meaning to cut you off, but where I see yeah. your niche is, is you, you know, you're you're already doing... You have, I guess, maybe New Jersey, seeing the area we were at, I didn't have enough people that would really fall into the mold of doing... Right. It's hard to find a bunch of pros or, you know, people that could actually do competitive stuff, you know, because right. boxing was... You couldn't kickbox. There was no kickboxing around. Mm-hmm. You could do some. You could do some MMA maybe, but everybody at that time had to turn pro, right? Right, right. Get any real fights, right? So it, was, it just kind of sucked, you know. And then we were USA Boxing. We certified the guys through that, but it's you know it's really really hard to go from you know being karate guys that kick to boxers straight out. Right. It's a, it, it's you a know? process. Yeah. Yeah. You got clowns that you know not clowns. I guess what I'll say is yeah. <laughs> you, got, <laughs> your, you know you got your I'll guys going clowns. in there switching stances. In yeah. a boxing ring, right? No, no, right. When you're not throwing feet, dude, come on. You know you're mm-hmm. now. You know you're like, but that just happens instinctively. They just kind of turn and like, oh shit, I'm boxing again. Well, uh, now nah. you're, <laughs> you know, now you're fighting a boxer. So that just didn't work too well, did it? Right. You know? No, no. Right. So anyway, so I, I get that. You know that why people do that. They do school and then they go back to teaching privately because at some point it can. It hasn't for me, uh, but. um it, you lose the passion for it at some level, right? And it's it's no longer satisfying. Yeah, I did. I pretty much was getting to where right. it became you know, it became a fucking job. Uh, exactly. You know, I mean, I just you know, and, and uh, you know, I would. Well, I actually went to work again too, right? So you know, what I started doing. Well, I had another guy too, one of my buddies that I used to work with. 
he fired up a, a semiconductor equipment, you know, maintenance kind of uh -huh. little small company where we just ran around and did service work. And uh, through that early 2000s, you know, when the times was a little bit slow, I guess it'd be like, you know, early to mids, uh, the economy slowed down a little bit, you know. So right. he was offering me to come make some money. So I said, hey, dude, I'll jump in there. And, you know, I had the whole day free pretty much except for small, you know, paperwork and crap. So I'd say, okay, man, I'll go with you. So I would go and I'd, I'd do some work. And if I got late, I'd call one of the guys, have him run classes. Because at that point, I already had some, you know, some instructors to develop here. Sure yeah. So I'd, I'd punch out of there and go do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, over time, you know, you start missing your training and you start making some money. And, and you let go of programs, you know. So my best advertising I had was that little white bus running around picking up kids after sure, school. Sure. We've got a nice photo of us with the white bus. Yeah, that's a great one. It is an awesome. It's on my wall. So. The little window liquor bus, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that thing running around, got, that did. got me a lot of business, you know. So then I went in and kept, kept the after-school program because I was making money doing the semiconductor stuff. Right. Well, that was my advertising, and that their enrollment drops a little bit, so you got to work a little bit more, you know. And towards the end, like by 2010, when I finally shut the doors completely, I mean, you know, it was very small. I mean, my enrollment had dropped down to, to the point where it was time to shut the door. Right, right. You know? it wasn't and there was no recovering, so I just said the hell with it and quit. Yeah, it was might have been the best move for you at the time. Any thoughts of ever doing that again? You know, when you're trying to what I'm doing, really mm -hmm. what I'm doing now, dude, is uh, so I've got the private students I'm teaching here locally just kind of keep myself sharp and have some core guys. Sure. But uh, I'm running around kind of, you know, teaching probably what I should be doing at this time in my life is teaching instructors, right? So I've got, you know, Will Batters in San Antonio, got some guys in, in Abilene and different satellite schools. And uh, I talked to you about doing this a long time ago, but it was mm -hmm. probably time wasn't right, I guess. But now I'm really just running around teaching them, you know. And uh, what my goal is, is, you know, within this next 10 years, by the time I retire in between that until then, is just get those places built up where I can pop in, do seminars, make a few bucks doing that, run a small group down here and just, just be happy and, Humble, right. you know. that's, that's the ultimate thing. Hey, you know, we're going to wrap up here in a couple of minutes, and I want to take the time. Dean, thanks so much for you know, taking time and coming on to the show. If people want to get a hold of Dean Gold, Daddy learned some hardcore martial arts in Central Texas, we can find you on Facebook right under – let me pull this up, make sure. Uh, is it under Gold uh, – Ohana? It's yeah, there's two different places you can okay. look at. You can look at our uh, Scientific Fighting Congress, Central Texas. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Gold Daddy Kaja Kemba Ohana. Okay, great. And so and then you yeah. get a hold of Dean. Dean is available to do personal training. He's got a small small group, but it is for the hardcore. It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah, he's we're a, not we're not playing around anymore. No, no. He's a real real good guy. And I'm I'm very fortunate to have become his buddy. Uh, you know, a couple decades ago. <laughs> Likewise, man. I mean, you were some of the smartest training I ever saw. Thanks, you know? you know, and that's guys like you were the ones that make you. You know, you just. If you're looking at it for reality, you know, like I was even talking about John Bono back in the day, uh -huh. you know, those are the guys, you know, when you see that, you're like, well, how can you, how can you refute that? That's right. just real. That's just real. You know, you can't tell that guy that he should be doing a low block when he just punched you right in the face. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Go try that on him. Yeah, you know, right. go do, do that. And like I walk up to you and if I was going to try and do a, a reverse punch to your ribs, I'd eat a hook and get knocked out. You yeah, know, how do you, how do you. You know, how can you try to justify what you're doing when you when you see what's real? Right. No, absolutely. absolutely. You know, reality eventually is going to rule supreme, man. So, you know, if you don't follow that, then just go ahead and have a good day. You know, yeah. where your family's <laughs> have a ball. But right, right. At the end of the day, just don't don't be surprised when somebody kicks your ass. Right, right. Well, look, let's, <laughs> uh, moving forward this year, I mean, let's, uh, on a side on a personal note, let's, Try to set some time together to try to get together somewhere on the planet, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and uh, reminisce and hang out and, and visit with each other because it has been a long time for, you know, for whatever. Yeah, we reason. need to absolutely, brother. Thank about, you. Well, so we're doing a couple of gigs. Let's yep, keep yep. in touch. We got a couple of things going on okay. coming up too, man. That uh, like in uh, October we're going to be doing a Ordinance Kaja Kemba Wahana Uncle Frank's lineage, which I'm a part of too. Mm -hmm. You know, with uh, with those guys, we're doing a big thing in Denver. And then, of course, we've got – we can probably get together. And, uh, are we doing any more Wednesday night group deals this year? I, I don't – I think that's kind of done right now. I don't want to speak for the Wednesday night group, but it's kind of on a high well, we'll figure something out. Yeah. But Locked anyway – all over the place, man. We can always land there. Right. Why well, don't anyway, ladies and gentlemen around the world <laughs> and Tom in the <laughs> Philippines, uh, you're listening to Primal Radio. Uh, again, you can hear us Saturday nights, 9 p.m. on uh, – 
UK time, 9 p.m. New York time on HamiltonRadio.net, uh, Speaker, Stitcher, iHeart, iTunes. Uh, the show will be up shortly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're out. Peace. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.